Here to warm us up even more, our good friend, Mr. Al Beck. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Heard from uh, one of my uh, good buddies from uh, way, way back. His name is Bob Hargis, and he lives out in uh, Wyoming. And he says, uh, oh, my, oh, my, tra-la-la-lee, it's 30, <laughs> minus 33 degrees. So he, he's trying to cheer me up a little bit, saying, uh, you know, it could be worse. And it is, he said, it is. Man, it is cold. Yeah. So um, it's uh, one of those things. Hey, uh, thanks, everybody, at uh, Bancroft Creek Estates and at the Lanesboro Area Chamber of Commerce annual meeting for allowing me to join them and blab a little bit. Uh, have Happy birthday to my lovely bride, Gail, and to Tim Scott. As of uh, February 4th, they're having a, a birthday. They seem to have one every year. I don't Happy know what the deal is. Happy birthday to you both. Yay. And, and it is, uh, I got this from the Hormel Nature Center, and it says, It is with great sorrow that we bring the news of the passing of our beloved bard, Al Guka. Aww. He has been a staple of programs and visits to the Hormel Nature Center for 17 years. So they're going to leave the uh, his um, uh, residence empty for a while, just kind of in his memory, and they said they're sure they will find another raptor that uh, needs a good home and will uh, sooner or later replace him. But he was a uh, he was something there for a long time, and they lost a red-tailed hawk not too long ago, too. It was 20-some years old. Is that old and for speak- a red-tailed hawk? I have no idea if that's a, for a bird that that's good or bad. Yeah, they can be fairly long-lived, uh, particularly in captivity. Oh. They will live uh, much longer just because they uh, they don't have to deal with the elements. They don't have to deal with uh, enemies, and they get to eat regularly. So they will live longer there. Yeah, I, I saw an owl flying the other day, and it, I just had to stop and watch. I was walking, and it flew... It, it's as if its wings were oars, and it was rowing it through the air. And it was so cool to see. And as I'm watching that, because this is during the daytime, and it was uh, it was early in the morning, but it was certainly light, because as I watched that owl fly, I my uh, attention was drawn to a fox squirrel carrying an ear of corn excavated from the snow in the middle of what had been a large cornfield. And there were no trees around and only a few utility poles where a hunting hawk might perch. Uh, The squirrel didn't seem to pay any attention to the owl, and the owl none do it. And then not much later, right in the same area, I spotted a red fox carrying what appeared to be a cottontail rabbit. Uh, Red and gray foxes are similar in name and appearance, uh, gray foxes have black tip tails, and red fox tails are tipped in white. And the red fox is an opportunist that eats many other things besides rabbits. They eat rats, mice, ground squirrels, birds, snakes, fish, uh, insects, turtles, frogs, berries, fruits, nuts, seeds, uh, uh, carrion, uh, some garbage they can get into. They uh, hunt primarily at night, and they hide uneaten food under litter or bury it to be eaten later. I was in the U.K. for a bit, and the place I stayed at, the wonderful lady, we'd sit on the steps, and she would feed her foxes. 
So it's kind of a thing in the UK, I guess, to feed foxes. They used to have these gigantic fox hunts with everybody on horseback, and now uh, a lot of them feed the fox, I guess, trying to make up for all that. As I drove uh, later that day, I had to slow to a crawl as 16 wild turkeys walked or flew in front of my car. Now, it was a four-lane but I looked behind me, there was nobody behind me. So I finally, I came to a complete stop. And they, these turkeys traveled across four lanes of traffic. And the ones coming the other direction, the cars, not all of those stopped. But amazingly, no turkeys were hit. And Jerry Victor of Allendale sent me a video of turkeys fighting in January and was wondering if that was a little early. Well, in the fall, turkeys segregate into groups. The young males, jakes, form a group. The adult males, toms, they have their own group. And then the females have a third group. And jake groups tend to hang out close to the hen flocks. I guess they like being around close to mom yet. And it seems I see more squabbles among the jakes than with the toms or hens. I think they'll fight pretty much any time. But it seems like the jakes may be more because they are the young bucks coming up and they're trying to determine who's going to be the king and who's going to be um, you know, subservient, I guess, to that one. The young birds are just trying to find their place in the pecking order. And the groups dissolve in the spring. Turkeys survive the winter by feeding on, oh boy, you name, mosses, buds, seeds, fern spores, acorns. They love scattered corn left after the harvest, and they find a lot of that on our highways. Uh, seeds beneath bird feeders, manure piles. Uh, other than an adequate supply of food, they need a safe place to roost in the winter, so they try to roost in trees that give some thermal protection, maybe pine or oak trees or cedars even, if they're tall enough. If they have fed well, they can take the bitter cold, but they struggle in deep, powdery snow. We'd think, boy, that hard snow has to be terrible for them, but it's the deep powdery snow that makes it tough. It makes foraging for food and escaping predators challenging. They can scratch through six inches of fluffy snow, but they can scratch through a foot of packed snow. So when the ground is covered with this powdery snow, you might notice that flocks will congregate in stands of pine and other softwoods, trees that hold snow in the canopy. And why would they go there? Because it leaves less snow on the ground. So if you get under pine trees, uh, some of the evergreens, there's less snow on the ground. So then the turkeys don't have to contend with that. Uh, a little boy asked what the the fleshy flap of skin that hangs off a turkey's beak is called. That's the snood, S-N-O-O-D. And the waddle is the fleshy flap of skin under the turkey's chin. I've got one of those now, Al, too, a waddle. I think we all get those when we get older, don't we? I think so. (laughs) And a friend of mine calls it the dewlap. Okay, got it. (laughs) So it's that that thing. And a male turkey has the beard, and it hangs down from his chest. It's made of coarse, rough feathers. 
And a beard is probably, oh gosh, three or four inches long, maybe on a young male, but it can grow 10 inches or longer on a turkey once he hits maybe three years of age. A small percentage of female turkeys have, maybe 10 up to 20% have beards. And male turkeys have sharp spurs on the back of their legs that they use when fighting with other turkeys. Uh, They also have caruncles. Caruncles are bumpy patches on a turkey's neck, and they may play a role in attracting a mate. Uh, Jim Myers of Mankato said, I am wondering why we haven't imported and released snow monkeys in Minnesota. It seems like their antics would bring a lot of joy to folks in the winter, and they would be easy to spot with their red faces and rumps against the white snow. (laughs) Thanks, Jim. I I watched some. It was in Sioux Falls at the zoo there. I watched those, and they certainly are interesting, and they were a big hit. Uh, Great crowds of people gathered around to watch them. Can you imagine all the mischief? they would be up to they they wouldn't be up to as much mischief as our legislators but still they'd be up to quite a bit uh dale waltz of rochester said he saw two bald eagles on a branch near a nest yes that time of year dale and he also saw a black squirrel uh brian smith said there's an adult spotted toey that's been regularly visiting a feeder in new Ulm. it was found by mark tacky it's been seen several times this appears to be the third record of a spotted toey for Brown County. Jamie Tennyson of Clark's Grove saw a rough-legged hawk. Tim Scott sent me a National Geographic article about a study showing that gray squirrels are smarter than red squirrels. They set up all these kind of tests, and uh, gray squirrels were just uh, quicker at solving it, and so they I guess, I don't know, there'll be more Ivy League gray squirrels than uh, red squirrels. Uh, Ellendale Jim, otherwise known as Jim Loggison hereabouts, uh, said, hopes this find you well and warm. This winter is wearing on me. I keep checking the goldfinches in our window feeder, looking for any hint of more yellow tint on the males. Nothing yet. I think they're still losing color. Not a good sign. Won't be long, hopefully. You know, the goldfinches molt twice a year. A lot of birds molt once. Goldfinches do twice. And they actually begin one of their molts in late January, so like now. And it's triggered by light levels, and it can continue into June for some birds. The bright yellow of summer appears one feather at a time on goldfinches. So we will see later into the year here, we'll see some birds that will have kind of a pied appearance. And uh, some are way behind others, I guess. Uh, Female goldfinches also molt at this time of year, and they acquire a new set of feathers. But theirs are they're really subtle their color changes the molts occur a few feathers at a time again so a molt of all feathers simultaneously well you wouldn't want to do that if you're a goldfinch it's january you don't want to drop all your feathers man you would be easy prey because you'd be that little frozen bird uh, stuck in the snow so you'd be not only susceptible to weather but to predators so the uh the new feathers right now, Jim, I guess they're, they'd be hard to see because uh, I think they're likely covered by long underwear or parka. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Brad Amondraw saw a sharp shin hawk and a spotted towhee in Brown County. Uh, Brian Smith saw an eastern screech owl and a golden crown kinglet in Renville County. And uh, Karen got a nice uh, note from the International Owl Center. And again, that's in Houston, Minnesota. I understand there is a Houston in, I think, Texas or somewhere else, but uh, really the only Houston you want to think about when it comes to owls is the one in Minnesota. And they have the uh, world-famous Alice the Great Horned Owl. And Alice has retired. She's nearly 26 years old, but right now she's gearing up to lay eggs. She's put on so much weight on so little food, the people that work there figure that she must have learned how to photosynthesize. And as she gets closer to laying an egg, she sits in her nest more frequently. She has two nests. And fluffy feathers fall off her belly in the nest to create a bare brood patch for incubating the eggs. Then she eats less or nothing for a day or two prior to egg laying and drinks more water than usual, perhaps to compensate for not getting liquids from her food. And just prior to laying, egg laying, she gets very restless. She gets up and she sits down repeatedly. She fusses around. Egg laying itself seems to take five to ten minutes, during which time her back feathers rise up and she looks nauseated. Uh, normally, she'll push a few times, sometimes accompanied by a high-pitched squeak or sneezing sound. And once Alice has laid an egg, she refuses to eat on her own. She stops eating, but she's willing to eat. So it requires hand-feeding every night by her um, trainers and keepers as, she, as Alice sits on the nest. She lays additional eggs roughly every three days. When she was younger, she used to lay two eggs, but now she consistently lays three eggs. Hmm. And she loves to sit on her eggs, and if the people remove them after the full incubation period of about 32 days, she lays another set pulling more calcium from her body. So what they do is they let her sit on her eggs for roughly six weeks before they remove them, and then she doesn't lay any more eggs. And, of course, her eggs are always infertile because there's no male owl involved. She, Alice was injured, I think she was like three weeks of age, and she grew up around humans. So in her mind, she has a human mate. It's not legal to breed birds on education permits, so they weren't able to ever uh, breed Alice. So they let Alice have her time on the eggs, and she can get back to life watching squirrels, rabbits, birds, and hooting at other owls. <laughs> so a really neat story about Alice. Uh, she is, like I say, she's a pretty famous owl in uh, Houston, Minnesota. And you got a note from John. I did. You know, I haven't heard from John in a long time. And apparently he's uh, been up at his dad's a lot in Andover. He's, not, you know, from New Ulm. But his dad's in some failing health, so he's been Andover a lot. And so he sent a postcard that he wanted me to share with you. He says, I've been more back and forth, more back and forth than back in terms of being up in Andover. He says, for more than a year every week, I spent some days in New Ulm and up at his dad's in Andover. His sister called and the neighbor lady called and they suggested hospice or care center for his dad. He said, I want more home help so he can stay in his home so I might start being with dad more. Some care centers are bad. 
So he uh, wanted to make sure to wish Al a happy 72nd or whatever your birthday is, if I, if I missed his birthday. Now, when was your birthday or when is it? I can't remember, Al. So It's uh, coming up in March. Oh, so he hasn't missed it. And is he close no. on the the age there or are we not saying? 29. It's oh, very 29. Good. There used to be a guy by Jack Benny. I think he... Uh, <laughs> He was a TV and radio comedian of of mm. some repute, and I think he hung in in that thirty nine, no matter how old he got. So I I'm looking forward to being thirty nine one day. That's got to be quite a change. But uh, well, I want to wish so. John the the best because you know it's hard when your parents get older and you're kind of being their caretaker, going back and forth, and and you know you want your parents to live in their home as long as they can, and and I get that. It it's a hard it's a hard time to be a kid. Yep, yep. We've uh, we've gone through that here, yep. and uh, you know how it is. My my mom lived with us for quite a while, which was a uh, after she had some health problems. And uh, what a great blessing it was uh, having her here. I I heard a lot of stories about that side of the family, and uh, it was it was just a, a great blessing having her with us all the time. So- I thought of John the other day. I uh, was. Uh, one of these miserably cold days and not only cold but the the trail i normally walk walks along a lake so then you got all that big ice cubes there with the wind blowing on there and it just turned you into a into an ice cube so i went to walk in the mall and i walked around the mall and there was quite a few people in there walking and part of the trail, you know, I, I hug the wall as much as I can so I get more steps in. And I go by the movie theater. And they were, I thought of John because I'm thinking I should see that movie by Tom Hanks at Otto. It sounds like a good movie. But I, I thought of John because he worked at the one in New Ulm. And, you know, I love movies and I just, I don't go to the movie theater. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what it is. They... They have those matinees that are, uh, you know, you can't holler about the price. Uh, I see they even sell blankets now when you go what? in there. You're so, kidding, right? Yeah. Seriously? I, no. Oh, wow. Yeah, they got a big wow. pile of blankets. So maybe they turned off the heat in there so when you're watching the movie. <laughs> and then And then there's like the $49 tub of popcorn. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the actual price of that is, folks, but I, I know it's... Uh, it's a huge thing of popcorn with yeah. a, a huge price tag on it, at least to a cheap guy like me. And so you can really listen to people crunch popcorn. But boy, uh, I just, I, as I say, I love movies. And I, I, Tom Hanks, so he just every movie's in. I just, I like him. You know, yeah. they're memorable movies. And I can always tell if I like a movie or not by how long I remember it after I've seen it, where things keep popping up in my mind. And he's had so many of those. Uh, a listener asked, how long do red-tailed hawks live? Well, we were, yeah, well, I guess I got this because we were just talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, red-tailed hawks can hang around for a good spell, but most don't live long. Uh, more than 70% survive until they've, they fledge, so they hatch out, they hang around, and then they fly. Seventy percent make that, but then the survival rates plummet after that, and more than half of young hawks perish during the first year, and then each year twenty percent die, 
and that's based on banding data. And the oldest known wild red-tailed hawk was at least 30 years, eight months old when it died in Michigan, and it had been banded in that state. But I'd say, uh, to answer your question, most live less than two years. So, Al, you know, do birds have an equivalent, like, you know, dogs, it's like for every human year, dogs have seven years, and cats have a different formula. So, like, my cat is 11, which is the same as I am, almost 60, for example. You know, it depends on, do birds have a similar, they make figure out some ratio or something, so a 30-year-old bird would be the equivalent of what in human years, for example? Yeah, they don't really because they're such, you know, the albatrosses and some of those parrots live longer than we do. And then some of our little songbirds uh, don't live very long. So there's there's such a variance mm, okay. in the uh, lifespan of birds uh, based on a species. So I suppose they could break it down, but you'd have to do it species by species almost because there's just a... It's just such a great difference. So no, not really. So yeah, we've got a a, a little kitten. Uh, our our cat died, Aww. and then this little uh, pumpkin-colored kitten showed up. And I'm walking around doing stuff in the yard, and all of a sudden this little kitten shows up and starts following me around. And I knew my wife was uh, heartbroken. Uh, Our cat hadn't quite passed on. I don't know why we say passed on. Hadn't quite died yet. And I know she would uh, miss a cat, so I I asked the little cat, I said, (laughs) you up for a job? And it just, it it followed me everywhere I went, this little cat. So it hired itself, essentially. It did, and we don't know where, you know, we live out in the country, yeah. so people tend to throw animals out, and I don't know why they do that. There's so many places you can take animals anymore, but they throw them out, and uh, we end up with them, and, uh, you know, they ingratiate themselves quickly and find a way into the hearts, and we just uh, end up not getting rid of them. Do so you have it, a new pet, then, is what you're saying? Yeah, and I don't know what to name it. I think it's LR. <laughs> yeah, it should be. I think it's going to be LRC or something. A little L- round cat because oh. it was a little little round cat. It just uh, it was like a pumpkin with legs. So and it um, it's um it's something. It's discovering the world of being an indoor cat and seems Good. to be taking to it well. Hey, Al, I just hey, got two texts I want to share with you but sure. so I make sure I get them in before we're done here. One just said, go see the Tom Hanks movie, Al. It is so good. Take Kleenex. So that's one. And then good. the other one is from Deb. Deb said, I'd like to ask Al about a flock of robins. About 20 of them flew into my yard last week. They hung out in the lilac bushes, magnolia, and my neighbor's tree. They stayed for about 20 minutes, enough time to get a video what causes that, and where'd they come from? I haven't seen them since. Yeah, thanks, Deb. Yeah, they uh, will see them in the winter, and they're typically in flocks. Uh, they We'd consider them small flocks, 20 to 50 birds or something like that. And they're very nomadic. They uh, These are birds that t- typically have no intents of migrating. That said, you know, if the weather turns so drastically bad here, the ones in southern Minnesota might just go down into Iowa because it's a little nicer down there. But they are feeding on fruits, 
that they find. So it could be everything from uh, high bush cranberries to uh, some crab apples that are left to hackberries. They they really like hackberries. And uh, again, scientists are studying these birds now. We used to think they were just interim birds. They're birds that just, uh, for some reason, they missed a flight out of state. They did something, made a wrong turn in Albuquerque, and they couldn't get going. Now scientists are saying there's probably robins that migrate and robins that don't migrate, and they don't interbreed. So we have these robins now that are just traveling around the state and finding foods. They like riparian areas, ravines. It's very important that they're able to find water. And again, because of all the, you know, I, I'm i sure my yard is like a lot of folks. I plant a lot of fruit and berry-producing trees and shrubs. So I have berries out there. So they can come into my yard, Deb, like they did there, and just wipe out everything, uh, mountain ash and uh, hawthorn, and they just eat everything, and then they say, well, thanks a lot, and then they go on to the next place. It's really cool to see them. I love seeing robins. I, I feel sorry for them, even though I shouldn't. They're probably doing better in the weather than I am. But it's uh, they're they're lovely, and they love Minnesota so much, and they love us. They just don't want to leave us, and you really can't blame them. You know, we're pretty nice to hang around with. So it's it's neat to see them, and thank you very much, Deb, and and thanks for the report on Otto. I I'd like to I'd like to see that. So I have to see. Him. Maybe I'll take the cat. <laughs> they allow cats in there. I could take the cat to it, and it seems to want to do nothing more than sleep on my lap. When I'm, especially when I'm trying to work. Did did but, you go and get it wormed and all that stuff? Because anytime you get an outdoor cat, you know you got to worm it and do all those things because they get all kinds of nasty things when they're out and about. Yep, that's the uh, that's on the uh, the, the list. short horizon here. So oh. yeah, got to get over and get shots and things and uh, and uh, probably neutered all those wonderful yep. things. So so it'll be a. Uh, maybe a long hospital stay. So that's. I don't think so. Seems, <laughs> no. no, I don't either. It's pretty much in and out. So I've tried to prepare it for it. I said, "Look, it's going to happen, you know." And of course, cat, and cats aren't the best listeners, really. They just kind of go yada da yada da, like George Costanza, pretty the, much. The only thing my cats recognize is kitty treat, and then they're all there. That's, yeah, that's, this one has learned we have a, like a closet where the cat food's in, oh. <laughs> and it makes a certain sound when you open it, yep. and it can be sound asleep, and all of a sudden it jumps up and just races out to that closet because it, it knows. Al, I know you're a bird man, so maybe you have an answer to this. So one of my cats, you know, we got these fancy Bombay cats and everything, and one of them, when, when we're away... She will open cupboard doors and drawers. One time I came home, both upstairs and downstairs, there were 19 drawers and cupboard doors that had been opened. She just opens them. Sometimes she goes in there, she comes back out. But what in the world? Why do they do that? I don't know. That's <laughs> what uh, ours does, too. This oh, okay. little orange one opens every cupboard it can open. And, it just, and it's the same thing. It goes in there. I thought, well, maybe it's, you know thinks it's hunting looking for a mouse or prey or something but i it just seems to be a 
a challenge and get yeah. some kind of joy. I, at least I hope it gets some kind of joy out of that because uh, sooner or later I'll bark my shin on one of those <laughs> things in the dark. I always I, think maybe boredom. Maybe that's what you do when you're bored and you're a cat. It it might be. I don't know. I'll ask. Okay. I'll ask, ask the, the orange here. kitty. <laughs> hey, um, thanks, everybody. Boy, uh, thanks for sitting on the front porch with us. You know, I hadn't used a Pythagorean theorem at all on a day cold enough to raise ice cream. There was fern frost on the window one day, the rime of the ancient mariner on the trees the next. I was thankful for the weather. Where would we be without it? What would we talk about? And I knew it would get warmer. I shouldn't have been surprised when a fox squirrel fell from the roof of the house onto a window feeder held in place by suction cups. The result was, as would be expected, the squirrel and the feeder both crashed to the ground, creating a blizzard of fleeing songbirds. Well played, squirrel, I said. (laughs) I anticipated the event as the weather forecast had called for strong winds, rising temperatures, and falling squirrels. Remember, folks, heartless, well worth driving past. Thanks for listening. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Uh, Thank you, Karen, as always. I enjoyed your company. Well, thank you, Al. We'll be back with you next week. Until then, take care of that new little kitty and let us know what you decide to name her. I will do that. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Our good friend, Al Bat. Hey, while we